1: There's no perfect time to tell your spouse. Um, Obviously, if you're the one who's initiating the split, you may come from it from a uh, very uh, different place than the spouse who's learning the information. So having some um, sense of empathy around that and compassion for that experience for the other is gonna be important. You know, avoiding, you know, kind of blurting it out in reaction to an argument or or disagreement, but coming to it from a place of clarity and presence and compassion uh, is probably going to be the better road to take than just to do it in the heat of the moment.
0: Welcome to the Divorce Roadmap series, comprised of 24 episodes designed to be your guide through each leg of the practical divorce journey. Be powerfully prepared as top experts in the field advise you on each logistical stage from the agonizing question of should I stay or should I go through the complex legal, financial, and parenting choices before you to your future plans for housing, budgeting, and co-parenting post-divorce. At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward. Even if they're just baby steps, we guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. Today's show is, uh, this is for people who are in the real early stages of divorce. And it's such an important topic. In the early stages, first of all, there's such a unique sting to the emotional upset that comes with divorce. There's a lot of fear, uh, guilt, denial, hurt, anger. And for many, whether you've chosen to leave or you've just been told that your spouse wishes to end the, the marriage, it's just a particularly poignant time and there's a lot of pain. And today we want to touch on that challenge of beginning to talk about it. We're going to we're going to touch on telling your spouse and how to prepare for that. And then everyone else who's in your circle of influence that's affected by your divorce, and each of them are going to have their own reaction. And so we want to talk a little bit about that and how to prepare for that. So we're talking about first your spouse, then if you have children, your children, um, your your siblings and parents, uh, your, your in-laws, your close friends, and then even... Uh, moving a little further out, when, when, and how do you tell your coworkers, your boss, your neighbors, and so? And how do you do it in a way that really honors what you need? Right. Preparing to tell includes being clear on what you want to share, on boundaries that you want to set, and on your priorities, such as what you do want to say and what you don't want to say, and to whom. So when we begin to tell, um, we're voicing what's real. And I'm really excited to have Karen Besmeji back with us today. Karen's a member of our Journey Beyond Divorce coaching team. So welcome, Karen.
1: Thank you. Um, It's
0: great to be back again. And Karen and I talked a bunch about this topic before we we came on the show, and we've had some experiences, and our clients have had some experiences that we'll be sharing with you along the way. So what I want to say is there's understandable fear and discomfort around beginning to tell. And so there's a lot of questions that come up, and there's a lot of emotions that come up. When it comes to telling your spouse, uh, and we're going to get into it in a few minutes, but I just want to say here, I, I was I was absolutely frozen and so fearful when, when I had made the decision to leave and when I had to let him know that I was at that place. And since then, over the many years that I've been coaching, I've watched clients, uh, wait months and sometimes years because of the fear of either severely hurting the other person or the other person, your spouse, reacting so violently that you feared for your own safety. And so we'll talk a little bit about that, too. But some of the questions and and thoughts that come up is, is, is my spouse going to hurt me or themselves or be devastated by this news? Is what I have to say going to destroy our children and their world?
1: Yeah. And then, you know, as far as when you're reaching further out and and having to maybe share with your family and friends, there is also the piece of how are people going to judge my my decision? How are they going to react? Are they going to support me? Are they going to turn their back on me? Um, you know, and that that can be. um That uncertainty can be problematic, too. And the issue of trust, uh, and this is something we're
0: going to elaborate more on, but who can I trust, right? And that comes to who do you tell and when? And how do I talk about this without falling apart? That's a big one, especially when you're sitting down and talking to your children. Uh, And how much do I tell? How much do I tell? What do I actually say? And
1: how do I figure that out? Right. Right. Because once the once the cat is out of the bag, you have to really consider what information you want to be out there um, and also manage your own fears about what people may think about what you share with them. Um, And that kind of brings you around to trying to uh, reflect on how how you might be. internalizing your their importance on how they might judge you. So, you know, it has you reflecting a little bit on whether you feel like the opinions of people uh, outside of your family dynamic um, will have your best interests at heart. You know, I think that's such a good point.
0: And I'd love to chat, Karen, for a few minutes about the types of things that come up, what we learn about ourselves in this very early stage. And for those of you who may be listening for the first time, everything that we talk about is always going to shift your attention back to you. And so even in these early stages, what Karen just talked about is uh, the p- potential of uh, being a people pleaser. Right. And, and a lot of times when you have that people pleasing uh, tendency, you care so much about what others think. And I've worked with clients where there would be someone who was a stranger. They actually, they they would live down the block and around the corner and somehow still what they thought was, had held importance. And we were able to take a look at that and poke around at it and see what it meant, not for the neighbor around the corner, but for this person who had fear around it. And so that may be you, like, what if people don't, don't like me anymore. And what if they judge me as, as being bad and who are they? And do the people who are closest to you and most valuable in your life, would they, you know, do they fall into that
1: category? And so we're going to kind of, uh, unfold all of this throughout the show. Yeah. And sometimes Karen, I just want to jump in here and say that, you know, sometimes when, um, we're kind of coming to the, this, This decision to kind of start the the process in general, those kinds of things can really kind of hold you back and keep you somewhat frozen. It's almost like you're you're trying to manage your guilt over um, revealing this um, to people and that kind of keeps us stuck.
0: Exactly. And the less um, certain, right, the more murky and unsure you are, the easier you could get thrown on your ear. I remember I love, I love, loved, loved my in-laws. And when I told them uh, they went from being like parents to me to being icy cold and like slam the door closed. And had I not been so crystal clear and done all of this work to make sure that i was standing firmly in this decision i i think that their reaction could have crushed me it hurt it was very hurtful and it was hard to navigate and yet my certainty and my clarity helped me to keep my head above water and so that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here exactly So all types of emotions are going to come up for you in this telling phase. And this is an opportunity to process them. And throughout the entire divorce, this is what we talk about in all all of our shows is Paying attention to what comes up for you, what you think, what you feel, how you act. And when it comes to all of the tender and raw emotions, to process them. And if you are listening and you haven't yet tuned into our. 12 step divorce recovery series it's 12 steps on processing emotions it's the 12 common things that we coach around and step 2 is about feeling your feelings and so I really encourage you to check that out Uh, and so it's all of the hurt feelings that come up and it's also the anger the bitterness the resentment like watch all of that that comes up and then you
1: can begin to work with
0: it and process it
1: Yeah, a big part of it, too, is uh, sometimes there is a certain amount of resistance to sharing, um, not just with your spouse, but even beyond that with the outside world, because once you make that step into sharing it out in the open – It kind of makes the whole thing real. So sometimes there's a little bit of resistance around actually telling your story because um, that it's kind of like there's no turning back once the cat is completely out of the bag.
0: Yeah. And I, I would say there's not a little, there's a lot of resistance. And again, remembering back and just thinking about all the clients where that's exactly it. Once you speak it out loud, right. uh, it, mm-hmm. it just becomes so real. And the first time you do it, if you're in this position and you're listening and you're filled with, you know, discomfort or anxiety it makes so much sense and it's normal. And part of it is really getting clear on your decision, why you decided it. And then again, as we're gonna talk about what you actually wanna say, there's no reason to air all of your dirty laundry or share things that you don't wanna share. And so there's an opportunity here for you in preparing to tell, to just really get very clear.
1: Yeah, it's it's making me think about my own experience when I had to share with um, my brothers and sister in laws, you know, what was happening for me in my own relationship. And uh, it was hard. And there was a lot of self-reflection that had to happen before I actually was able to figure out what was the right amount of information, um, you know, at that moment that I was sharing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the key things And starting at this early stage is so powerful. You can either go into your divorce blaming and accusing your soon-to-be ex and standing in your role as the victim or – you can go into it with an eye on self-reflection. What's my part in it? How do I do this with grace and dignity? How do I grow through this really difficult time? And, you know, I think as all of us know, trial and tribulations can so often be uh, fertile ground for personal growth and transformation. And that's really our message at journey beyond divorce and how we work with our clients. So let's start by taking a few minutes to discuss how to tell your spouse if you're the one who's choosing to leave. Uh, and we have a couple of tips for you, Karen,
1: you want to jump in and start this? Yeah. So, I mean, there really isn't any perfect time or, um, there's no perfect time to tell your spouse. Um, obviously, if you're the one who's initiating the split, you may come from it from a uh, very um, different place than the spouse who's l- learning the information. So having some um, sense of empathy around that and compassion for that experience for the other is going to be important. Um you know, avoiding, you know, kind of blurting it out in reaction to an argument or, or disagreement, but coming to it from a place of clarity and presence and compassion uh, is probably going to be the better road to take than just to do it in the heat of the moment. Although, there, you know, there may be times when you're you're kind of feeling like you want to go there, uh, so you might want to consider the ways that they might initially react and allow space for that reaction. Um, Frame it in I statements and avoid finger pointing. So when I say I statements, I mean, if we're coming from a place where we're expressing our desire to make this change in, you did this, you felt this, and never putting it, you know, on yourself and and, and having it come from, this is my experience, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I need to do for me, um, is is going to be a way for you to take ownership for your decision. Um, if you're the one who's ending the relationship, again, you're going to be much further along in the detachment process.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And in the in the telling, if she, since you've gotten to this point, there's probably been a whole lot of mm-hmm. uh, conflict going on all along. And so watch watch that pattern that you get caught in. And and so if your spouse is understandably upset or angry and starts accusing and blaming you, rather than jumping into that back and forth that you've probably done a hundred times, you can just say, I hear you. Mm -hmm. I hear you. I know this is hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for you. You can just acknowledge without engaging in fault. And, and because it's such a tender time for both of you and Karen, to your point, I think it's so important to realize that if you're the one telling, I, I was the one telling, and I had been, I have, I had been struggling with the decision for months and months and months and months. And even though I had talked about my fear that this might be the end, it still was very different when I said, this is it, it's over. And so to expect that the other person uh, is gonna be in shock, they're gonna be angry, they're gonna be hurt, they're gonna say a lot of things and go into it with your own buffer, your own protective skin, knowing that I'm gonna say it and then I'm going to allow, allow him or her to sit with it and process it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, possibly having to reapproach, oh well, I'm sure you're going to be reapproaching that discussion um, you know, over time as the dust kind of settles and uh your spouse gets a handle on on the emotional piece of it a little bit anyway. And I think the most important
0: thing is to if you haven't listen to our podcast on grieving or you haven't read anything or have a lot of experience with it, it's really important to understand the grieving process because mm-hmm. if you're telling your spouse for the first time, they are going to go through the denial, the depression, the anger, and it's gonna it can be very poignant, it can be very powerful. They're not doing it to you, even if it feels that way. They're just Going through the process and just understanding that and giving the space for that can make a world of difference in this early stage.
1: Right. Yeah. And the bargaining, uh, which might certainly come up as part of the process, too.
0: Absolutely. And learning how to navigate all of these emotions Uh, Yours, And then we're about to talk about everyone else's will enable you to go through your divorce with less struggle and greater ease. Just just paying attention, being patient, respecting that space that's necessary for everybody to figure out how to deal with with your divorce, because your divorce is actually not just yours, it's your spouse, it's your children, and and it's the in-laws, and it's the family of origin. Like, Depending on how long you've been married, too, and your lives are particularly interwoven, everybody's going to have their challenge with that. And so when we get back in just a minute after our break, we're gonna talk about, uh, who do you tell next? Our listeners often share that they've been on the fence about leaving their difficult marriage for far too long. What about you? Are you walking on eggshells, constantly trying to make sense of your spouse's black and white thinking, revisionist history, endless blame and accusation? Have you lost your voice, your self-confidence, even your belief that a better life is available for you? Imagine for a moment Entering your divorce unflustered by your spouse's recriminations, certain of your legal rights, crystal clear on your next steps and secure in your support team. How would it be to feel guided and supported to create, practice and implement a bulletproof plan to leave your marriage with grace and dignity? If this sounds like what you need to finally get unstuck, go to journeybeyonddivorce.com and learn more about our Get Off the Fence program. You can even book a call with a coach to ensure that this is the right program for you. So, Karen, We've, we've covered how to tell your spouse and the different things that would come up. Who do you tell next? You know, I encourage my clients that you don't, you may have uh, somebody like, like a best friend or a sister or someone that you've been talking to even before you told your spouse, but before you start going public You really want to sit down and talk to your children because you don't want them to find out through the grapevine, uh, which would be devastating. And so let's talk a little bit about telling your children and um, and some of the decisions that you have to make around that at the beginning, one of the things you have to decide is, are we going to tell them together? And unless you're in a high conflict divorce or dealing with someone who uh, would be emotionally inappropriate, like someone with a personality disorder or something like that, you know, all experts, mental health experts say that, you know, mom and dad should be sitting down and telling the children together. And there shouldn't be any blame. That's for the two of you to talk about behind closed doors. In telling the children, you really want to be creating an atmosphere where they can feel comfortable asking questions and where they can absolutely, right in the beginning, be assured that mom and dad do and will always love them. That mom and dad um splitting up is not their fault uh, they didn't cause it they can't change it they can't control it uh but it's not their fault and it has nothing to do with their behavior that it's it's really a grown-up thing between mom and dad and that you'll always be there for them uh and that and that they can ask anything that they want to ask
1: yeah the other piece of it too is um you know when when I divorced, uh, my kids were older. I had teenagers and into the into early 20s. So you have to kind of look at what what age your children are at in terms of how, how you're going to disseminate the information. Obviously, if you have young children, there's going to be minimal details that are given just that reassurance that you know, mommy and daddy still love them and, um, they're not to blame. Uh, but as the kids get older, they may be able to have a different level of information that they may, they may ask, they may require. So it's really kind of age dependent about how much information you actually disseminate. Uh, the other thing I would, consider is you're going to have more than one conversation the first conversation with your kids is like it's a blow to them I mean they're just trying to process it just in the same way that your spouse is or you are so giving them the space to kind of process that and then revisit um I think it's also a good idea to, if you have multiple children, let them kind of be together for a while and process it together. But then make sure that you check in with each child individually and privately um, to have a discussion with them. And that's such a good point. There's different ages. I I would say that the
0: rule of thumb is even with uh, young adults or uh, or older adults, if you're you know, if if you're have children in their 30s, for instance, you still want to let them guide the amount of information that you give them. So don't assume that because someone's in their 20s, they can handle, you know, the struggle you've had with you know, their mother or their father. You 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 want to give that basic information and then let them ask questions. And based on their age, you can determine how much you want to share. And you may decide it's irregardless of the age. There's certain things I just don't want to say. They don't need to know that. And that's a very loving thing to do. And so I, I always suggest when somebody asks you a question to also probe a little bit. And especially with young children, I had a client whose son kept asking when the divorce is going to be final, when the divorce is going to be final. And she started, you know, explaining courts and judges and difficulties with daddy. He just wanted a puppy. He just knew that after the divorce was final, they were moving someplace where they could get a dog. And so understanding what's behind the question is going to really help you answer
1: what they're looking for and not give them more information than they need. Yeah. And that's an interesting point, Karen, because I think for most kids, what they really want to know is how is their world going to be affected um, by the situation and not necessarily how you and your spouse's world is going to be affected. Exactly. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, to be able to say, you know, you're still going to be, um, you know, in dance or soccer. You're still going to like just to let them know that, you know, that as to, to the degree that it's possible that their world is going to uh, look a lot the same as it right. can. The other thing I, I do want to say is for those of you who do have um unique circumstances, high conflict, personality disorders, things like that, it's really important to put the children first. And so um, in my personal circumstance, I chose to tell my children alone. And I also chose to tell them individually because I had a five and a seven-year-old and the five-year-old would not absorb the information the seven-year-old could and the reactions of each of them would be such that I wanted to be able to give each of them complete attention and it goes against a lot of what I've read and yet for me it ended up being the best thing to do because I could be there for each of them in the way that they needed. And then they were able to we all talked about it together afterwards. Uh, and the reason I did that was because they had a dad who um, was was devastated and his his, he wasn't able to filter, you know, mommy's devastating us. She's breaking our heart. She's destroying our family. Like I, all of this, which they got right afterwards, but at least they were able to get something that was calm and, and um, supportive as a foundation before they entered into that. And the truth is no matter how you tell If you're in that high conflict, you have to realize that you have no control over what that other person is going to say. And so part of beginning to tell is really beginning to strategize on how to keep that flow of communication and make sure your children are getting what they need throughout this. And that may include school social workers, banana split programs, therapists, and things like that if you're dealing with school-age children. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Yeah.
0: So as we move on from that, you've told the children, and now... What do you do? Who do you who do how do you figure out who to share this information with? And it's still a very tender time for you. And so who you want to tell and then when and why? And we really encourage you to tell because you are driven to do do so and not because somebody said you should tell so-and-so and to pick that initial circle very carefully you want to tell people who are going to support you in the beginning so so if you have friends if you have a sibling who might be judgmental and another one who's supportive make sure you take care of yourself through this period of time and and picking who to tell. And, and that's actually practicing too. It's like, you're going to tell someone who's supportive and, you know, maybe they're going to ask more gentle questions and, and, and you'll start getting comfortable talking about it. And then maybe you're, I just spoke to someone who was so afraid to tell his parents because they, they were, you know, strong religious and thought that, uh, you know, that they would be so angry. And and yet it turned out they weren't. They actually saw what was going on and they were very supportive of him. And so to to just think about it beforehand, think about what you want to say and start with the people who you know or expect to be the most supportive.
1: Right. The other piece of it is creating firm boundaries, too, for those people who might not react in a way that feels healthy for you. And, you know, it's perfectly okay for you to tell someone that, you know, you're really just not ready to, to talk about it in depth right now, but you just wanted them to know what was happening. Um, because everybody comes to it with their own agenda, perhaps. And that agenda might not necessarily be helpful to you right now.
0: So you may be keeping it simple and just sharing, you know, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, Joe and I, Jane and I are are splitting up and, you know, I didn't want you to hear it through someone. And then they start asking questions that you don't want to answer. And it's and that's where you want to know beforehand where you are and are not willing to go. Right. And, you know, I appreciate your concern. I just I really don't want to get into it right now. But thank you so much for your concern. Beautiful way to just close that door on that conversation. I'd rather not discuss it right now, but thank you for your you know kind words something like that is 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 perfect and the other thing that you may face is uh everybody has A nightmare story. Oh, my God. Oh, my girlfriend, you know, my brother. And let me tell you how horrible it was. Set that boundary. Excuse me. I'm sure I I really I appreciate not talking about that. I I don't actually want to hear that story. There's nothing wrong with you asking for what you need, setting a boundary. And really, it's it's the beginning stages of an entire process where taking care of yourself is going to be vital to your emotional health and the way in which this divorce goes. And so start right now. And again, if you're a people pleaser, you might feel bad. Oh, but they only were doing it because they cared. If you notice yourself putting somebody else before you on the list, it's another topic, but that's a red flag. And you want to
1: just pay attention to that and take care of you first. Right. Because what may happen um divorce, obviously, is something that's common. And um, so as they start telling, sharing their stories and their horror stories, it can kind of turn into instead of keeping the focus on yourself and good self-care that you're actually in a position where now you're supporting them as they share their story. And that's not really what you need right now. You need to kind of focus on yourself and your family and your situation and, um, you know, let that kind of be outside of your immediate circle for right now. Uh, everybody's got a, a horror story. And the other piece of it is your experience is going to be, uniquely your own, your divorce experience. So somebody else's experience um, uh, could look very different uh, from what yours will be. And at the same time, it's really important
0: to understand that A ton of relationships are changing. So perhaps your sibling just uh, really enjoyed hanging out with your spouse. Uh, You know, they're going to have reactions of confusion, of anger, of frustration. And, you know, Feelings aren't right or wrong. They just are. And you don't have to shoulder other people's feelings. And yet you it, it's helpful to be aware that everybody's going to react differently. Everyone has a right to have whatever their emotional reaction is. They don't have a right to fling it at you or you're not responsible for taking care of them. But there's just when you get into to in-laws and, and siblings. I had two siblings. One was really supportive. One was more angry at my soon-to-be ex than I was. And I, I found myself defending him, which was a terrible position to find myself in. And so I had to set boundaries with that sibling. So all different types of things can come up. When you bring your conscious attention to everything, you end up just noticing like, that's really good information. Let me um, be careful when I speak to that person. I have to be in a good place. I have to be in a strong place. That's really, I never expected, you know, mom to be so supportive. Wow. She's actually going to make it onto my all-star support team. Mm -hmm. Which is what I want to speak about for a minute, because as you begin to tell, one of the most important things that we talk to people about is that you need to have both a personal and a professional support team. This is a huge transition, one of the most difficult you'll ever go through. You do not want to be an island or go it alone. And so as you're telling, you can watch people's reactions and responses and how they engage with you and begin to create your all star support team team. So dad may love you, you know, to the moon and back, but not be a healthy person uh, to to be on your all star team because he's more angry than you are at, you know, at your soon to be ex or something like that. And so you begin to pick a team of people who support and encourage you, who keep the focus on you, who don't shoot on you, don't tell you what you have to do, who leave space for you to figure it out on your own while being a really healthy sounding board. Those are the people that you want on your team. And the people who don't make the cut, you'll still be communicating with, but you'll be cautious and you'll you'll engage with the the others when you're strong enough to, and when you're in that really weak, frail place, you know that that's an all star team um, connection, not one of the others, and that's going to just serve you so well.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to be able to find someone who's coming to the table who's completely objective and non judgmental um, in whatever form that is, uh, and for the most part, your family and friends are not that um, for, for some of the support that you might need. Yeah. And that's where, you know, what Karen and I do, where we're life coaches
0: and what we do with our clients is where a a healthy sounding board, we, we never tell you what to do, but we help you dig inside and figure out why am I stuck? Why am I afraid? What do I need? Where do I want to go? How do I get there? What's my next step? And so we really just help reflect back to you so that you can create your perfect and unique path through this process. And so certainly if that resonates with you and you could use the support, you know, by all means, you can reach out to us. We'll talk to you at the end of the session, but journeybeyonddivorce.com is our website and you can reach out there. You know, the last thing that Karen, I want to just touch on is those people who are even a little further out, which might be uh, your boss, your neighbors, your coworkers. And so, uh, do you have to tell? Not necessarily. Uh, certainly, it's really hard to be at the top of your game while you're going through this. And so it may make sense to let the people that you work with, certainly the person that you work for, know that there's something very Huge going on in your life, so that they understand if you're a little bit uh, off your game or not showing up the way you usually do. Uh, that could be helpful. You may be in a company where they actually have other support for you, uh, and then even with you know with the neighbors. It can be a very simple mention because something is obvious, you know, so if you have neighbors that you're in touch with, um, but that's really, again, the, the rule of thumb is for you to say, why am I telling this person? Um, why is that important to me? What do I want to tell them? Um, and where do I want that boundary to be so that you're not adding stress to an already stressful situation,
1: right, and and that may change over time too. Uh, as an example, if if you you're you see that your child is struggling in some way, and it's affecting certain uh, activities that they're involved with, or their schoolwork, or their friendships. Right. There may be a time when you need to share some information with people that maybe you hadn't anticipated needing to because a situation arises where it seems appropriate. Yeah, and the
0: first thing that comes to mind certainly with your children would be you know, their coaches, their teachers, and I think it's a good idea to – to let the school know because they are going to be under uh, significantly more stress, even if they don't look like they are, they are, because there's a lot of tense emotions in the household. And it would be valuable for those who are with them all day long to know what's going on so that they can have a little more patience and compassion and also communicate with you if there's any red flags. Yeah, yeah. So in, sum, in summary, we have some rules for telling that we want to share with you. Uh, the first one is make each decision about who, when, where to tell. Make it consciously with deliberation and discernment. And I really encourage you to trust your in, intuition. If you have a doubt about telling someone, there's a saying. If in doubt, don't. Um, listen to that quiet voice uh, inside your spirit because it's very wise. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, when you're telling your spouse, uh, of course you want to try and be gentle. You want to keep it in the eye and I statements. And you want to allow some time and some space for all the emotions that are going to come up for your spouse as they're learning this news, the denial, the depression, the anger, the bargaining, um, and maybe even the acceptance that this is really happening.
0: Absolutely.
1: And then when it comes
0: to telling your kids, you want to keep it simple. You want to keep it age appropriate, no blaming, no accusing, and be open to, to their questions. And remember when you get a question, ask them, uh, ask, uh, Why are you asking that? Tell me more about the question that you're asking before you jump in and answer it so that you can be answering their question and not your interpretation of their question. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you can do throughout the entire divorce.
1: And uh, so your A-list for telling, who do you tell first and why, would be your Aside from your spouse and your children, obviously, would be your healthy and supportive friends and family, your children's teachers and their mental health experts, um, coaches. And again, you know, you want to question, why am I telling? Is this uh, appropriate for me to be telling at this time? Or is it something I can, uh, you know, gauge as I watch my children's reactions Um, in your work environment? Um certainly if you're having trouble, it, it might even be a case of I need to take time off because I'm managing all these different things and you know, custody arrangements and legal issues. Um, you might have to tell your direct report uh so that they know what's going on. Yeah, and one thing that came to mind that we didn't
0: touch on, uh that's, I just want to bring this up is it may turn out that your spouse, your soon to be ex doesn't want you telling anyone and actually, you know, says, you know, it's nobody's business. We're not telling anyone. And, you know, there's a saying in 12 step programs, we're only as sick as our secrets. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that may be how he or she needs to navigate it. And that's, that's fine. That's their choice. You, this is the beginning of doing things, um, different and healthier. And so you need to determine what you believe, what you need and what you, what you want to do, who you want to tell and why. And so even if you disagree with your, your soon to be X on that, uh, This is your this is the beginning of you being true to your needs and, and your voice inside. And so I really encourage you to not be swayed by that and to stay your course. And again, there's so much emotion that comes up during this phase and every other part of divorce. If you haven't listened to our 12 step divorce series, it's, uh, it's really powerful. It covers everything from feeling your feelings and creating space to staying present, to communicating clearly, to, um, responding rather than reacting and, um, and so much more. So I really encourage you. You can go to divorce recoverylifeline.com and get our 12-step flash guide that accompanies the series and that'll be really helpful for you. So run over there and do that. And then of course if the whole idea of connecting with a coach and getting that kind of healthy support and sounding board is something that uh, resonates with you, please reach out. You can go to journeybeyonddivorce.com fill out a contact page and one of our coaches will reach out. And the first session, we call it a lifeline session and it's always on the house. So feel free to do that. And um, Karen, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I think we covered a tremendous amount of material.
1: Yes, we did. It's, It's a it's a huge process.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women throughout one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.